particularly for the funeral of Bev on Friday at 1.30 in the Free Church. The psalmist said, I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted up me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave, thou hast kept me alive. I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, I give thanks to the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endureth but a moment, but his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by thy favor thou hast made my mountain to stand strong. Thou didst hide thy face, and I was troubled. I cried to thee, O Lord, and unto the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood that when I go down to the pit? Shall the dust praise thee? Shall it declare thy truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. Lord, be my helper. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and hast girded me with gladness to the end that my glory might sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mercies, which are new every morning, and for your kindness to us yet once more. We come again to worship the great God of heaven in this little place on this occasion. And we ask, gracious God, draw near to us for Jesus' sake. Amen. I should give you the notices. There's no ladies' meeting this week. They're having a week off. And uh, Thursday, our Bible study will resume. We'll be here. I'll be taking that. And then next Sunday, um, I'll be back for the whole day. I should just explain that I'm here because uh, Bush is not well. He was due to come and he's not here. So I'm taking the morning service and Gary will be taking the evening service. Trust the Lord will bless uh, Bush and his wife. Let's sing number 488. 488. Today thy mercy calls us to wash away our sin. However great our trespass, whatever we have been, however long from mercy our hearts have turned away, Thy blood, O Christ, can cleanse us and make us white today. 488. <clears throat>
Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words of that hymn. That indeed, today, uh, thy mercy calls us. We praise you that uh, we come unto a God who is merciful and gracious. Yea, God who delights in mercy. And we confess, Father, as we come, we need that mercy. We need forgiveness. We've been through another week and we confess our shame. We haven't been as we should have been. We haven't done that which we should have done uh, in word, thought, deed, uh, things we should have done that we haven't done. And uh, we confess that before you. But we come this morning and uh, cast ourselves upon your mercy, upon your love in the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask to forgive us and cleanse us anew and afresh that we might enter thy courts with singing and uh, into thy temple with praise. We might say, Lord, thank you for today. We are here. We are here in the house of the Lord. It could have been we were elsewhere. It could have been we had no thought for the things of God. It could have been we had no interest in the gospel and in the Lord Jesus Christ. But your grace has laid hold upon us. You've inclined our steps. And here we are. Here we are. Some of us have been to this place for many years, some perhaps more uh, recently, but we're here again uh, to sing your praises, to sing great truths uh, put poetically for us to music. We uh, sing these great hymns. We can hear your word being read and proclaimed. We can meet with the people of God. And above all, we can meet with our God through the Lord Jesus Christ, his Son. Trust by the power and help and enabling of God the Holy Spirit. And so we come again. And again, Lord, we come and we, we seek you. Uh, we are conscious of our need of grace and wisdom and strength. We have so many needs on a temporal level and, yea, on a spiritual level. And you know us. You know us, each one, personally. You know the homes from which we've come this morning. We may walk, we may have a lift in the car or whatever. And we've come. And you know that which has occupied our time and attention these past seven days. We perhaps had good, perhaps we've had good days. Perhaps we've had not so good days. And you know them every single day, every single minute. You know uh, when we get up. And you know the day. And you know when we go to bed. You know everything about us, our coming and our goings. You know our, our hearts, our minds, our emotions. You know our physical state, our emotional, mental state. There's nothing unknown to you. And we've come from all that uh, to a new day, the beginning of a new week. This is the day the Lord has made. And we rejoice and be glad in it. The very day itself gives us hope. Because it reminds us that on the first day of the week, the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead triumphantly over sin and death and hell and, and the grave. He rose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. This is the first day. And every Sunday, in a sense, is Resurrection Sunday. Every Sunday is Easter Sunday. We've celebrated the, what we call Easter time. Uh, and that's past and gone. Uh, but the truth is still with us. Today, the Lord is risen today. Come see where they lay him. He's not here anymore. Hallelujah. He's gone home to glory. From whence one day he shall come again. So we thank you, Father, for this first day. 
the first day on uh, which the disciples met together back in those early days. They congregated on the Lord's day. They congregated on the first day. They congregated to remember him who lived and died and rose again. And they met for fellowship. And they met for instruction in the word of God. They met for communion. And we thank you that we follow that line. And we praise you for the privilege. And when we remember that it was on the first day of the week that the Holy Spirit descended. Oh, we thank you for him who is God, eternal, almighty, all-wise, uh, co-equal with the Father and with the Son from all eternity. We thank you for his, his person. We thank you for his work. We thank you for his power. We thank you for his enabling. We thank you for his comfort. We thank you that the Lord Jesus describes him as the comforter who would come. I shall send you another comforter, and he will be with you forever. Every single day he'll be with you. Every single day you'll be helping and encouraging you, challenging you, convicting you, convincing you, and blessing you. We thank you, Father, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, O Lord, that we come <clears throat> on this first day of the week. Uh, we, don't know, we know not what the lies before us in the next six days. Uh, we do not know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. And our confidence in that, we're not in ourselves. We are weak and we're feeble and frail, children of dust, feeble as frail. And sometimes we confess, we feel that. We're not supersonic. We're not wonderful, uh, walking on the clouds, as it were. We walk in this old world. And sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's tough. And sometimes it's very difficult. And your people are not exempt from the things that happen to other folk who are not believers, who are not trusting in Christ. Uh, they are common uh, to humanity in a fallen state. And we know these things, we experience these things. But Lord, we thank you that we can trust you. Whatever occurs, whatever happens, we can trust you. Help us to do that. Oh, Father, help us to trust you day by day by day. We off quote uh, what Job said, having gone through horrendous affliction. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. We want to get there. We are a long way off that, but we want to get there. I want to get there. Oh Lord, just be with us, we pray. Bless us then. We pray for those who are not with us. Some are away on holiday. Some are visiting friends or family, whatever. Bless them. We commend them to you. Bring them back to us safely ere long, we pray. Uh, others who uh, would love to be here, but circumstances, just, just Lord, overrule, we pray. And there are those who could be here and are not here and don't want to be here. Perhaps they've gone cold towards the things of God. They've gone cold towards the Savior. Oh, Father, uh, fire them up again. Restore to them the joy of their salvation. Bless them with an uh, increasing concern to be with the people of God, to have fellowship and to worship together. Lord, we pray then. Bless us each one for Jesus' sake. Amen. 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 Our next hymn is 209. 209.
Hark, the voice of love and mercy sounds aloud from Calvary. See, it rends the rocks asunder, shakes the earth, and veils the sky. It is finished. It is finished. Hear the dying Saviour cry. 209. Speaking to the believers, obviously, church, and he says, You, as he, as God, quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. When in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of the flesh, filling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, 
even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember, that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But, now, in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so make in peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And came and preached peace to you who were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly frames together grows unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built up together for the habitation of God through the Spirit. Amen. We'll sing again, number 789, 789. Depth of mercy, can there be? Mercy still reserved for me? Can my God his wrath forbear? Me, the chief of sinners, spare? 7, 8, 9.
Let's just bow our heads a moment. Father, again, we thank you for the privilege of looking at your word together. We thank you for the inspiration of Scripture. We are totally committed to that here at Gordon Road. And all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, a doctrine for reproof, for correction. And the man and the woman of God may be thoroughly furnished and do all good works. We thank you for a sure foundation. And now, Lord, we ask for help to understand it and to apply it to our hearts and to our lives at such a time as this. For Jesus' sake. Amen. If you have a Bible, you may like to turn to Lamentations. It's the book that follows uh, the prophecy of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, and then the book of Lamentations, which we believe that Jeremiah wrote. Now, strangely, in the providence of God, three weeks ago I was here, and uh, we looked at uh, Lamentations, chapter 3. I said on that occasion that uh, the Verse 1, it particularly came home to me, for obvious reasons, where Jeremiah says, I am the man that has seen affliction. I am the man <coughs> that has seen affliction. And I said that it was true of myself, but also many other folk in the church. We have seen affliction. And I thought to speak about affliction. But then I thought, well, that's going to be a bit heavy for you, for me. Um, but um, I went then to verse 23, where we have that lovely phrase, uh, great is thy faithfulness. And so that's what we did. We looked at the faithfulness of God, why it was great. It's covenant faithfulness. It's a compassionate faithfulness. It's continuous faithfulness. And we looked at those three things and sought to help uh, apply it to our hearts and lives. And I want to stay in uh, Lamentations and look at another phrase there, which with, with which you are very familiar. And it's verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. So very simply, the mercies of God are anew every morning. Very straightforward. Mercies of God are new every morning. I want us to look a little at what Scripture says about these things. I am conscious that being theoretical is not much help to you or to myself. In other words, uh, I need and you need this God's word to come with application to us. Right? It's no good just feeding our little brains. We need our souls, our hearts to be fed and helped, particularly at difficult times. And the subject itself is fairly straightforward. But I found my biggest difficulty is in the application of these truths. You're not going to learn anything new, like that, I'm sure, this morning. It's the application of things you already know and I already know to our hearts and to our lives. We want that which will matter to us, that will mean something to us. We want the Lord to say, this is for you this morning. This is what you need to hear. This is what you need to apply to your heart, to your life, to your singing. You need this. 
And the great thing about the scriptures is that they're honest. And we keep saying this. That's why uh, Gary's been so helpful doing the Psalms with us, because these were honest men. They were honest in, their, in expressing their concerns, their feelings, their doubts sometimes. How long, O oh Lord? Do you say that? Do you say that to God? Do you think, oh, I can't say that to God. That's not right. The psalmist said it over and over again. How long, O oh Lord? Why are you sleeping? Why didn't you wake up? Why didn't you get on with the job? Oh, can't say that about God. Well, these people are honest. One of the most difficult things is being honest when somebody says to you, how are you? How do you feel? And you smile and say, oh, we're not so bad. And you want to say, listen, I feel rotten. I feel absolutely rotten. I feel terrible. I feel dreadful. Oh, oh well, perhaps it'll be a nice day tomorrow. Come on. This is the real world in which we live. The Bible is for real people who have real problems, real difficulties, because life is like that. I mean, these first three verses are different to the four verses that follow. This is what you will. This is what you deserve. Dark, black, horrible. But God. But God. God. You're going to say something about God in contrast to the condition you're in. You're going to say something about God. What's he going to say? He's going to say all kinds of things. What does he say? But God, who is rich in mercy. Hallelujah. That's the essence of the gospel. God is rich in mercy, but you don't deserve his mercy. You don't deserve his love. You deserve nothing from him, but he's rich in mercy. The riches of God and the riches of his mercy. He's rich in mercy, he tells me he's not poor. Poverty is a terrible thing, and some of us have known a little bit about it in our past lives, and perhaps a little in touch now today. But worldwide, poverty, we've been hearing about the poverty in Sri Lanka. There's poverty in Ukraine, and because of all that's happening there, and there's poverty all over the world. There's absolute poverty, and it's horrendous poverty. And the worst thing is, it seems to me, there are some who are so rich they don't know what to do with their money. They don't know what to do with their money. Really something of someone in uh, some famous pop star or something. I think they just spent fifty million pounds on a on a mansion. Got to live somewhere, isn't it? Got fifty million pounds. They've got riches and they don't know what to do. They're these yachts that they buy. They're like Cruise liners, these yachts. Oh, I'm not begrudging them then, I'll stop playing and that's enough, and that's their own conscience. But they're rich. But God is rich in mercy. He makes known to his people. God's riches are not for himself, God's riches are for the benefit of those upon whom he sets his love. God is rich in mercy, the riches of the mercy of unfathomable. You never get to the depth of it. I read an article about electric cars. So what has that got to do with the gospel? Well, I'll tell you. 
electric cars run on electric bits, um, and computer bits. And the, they have to mine these bits, or the computers and the rest of it, obviously, and it's, they're running out. And they're going to be in a state soon. All right? And because the riches of this earth are diminishing over God's riches never run out. God's riches never are exhausted. Because God is never exhausted. All the attributes of God are eternal and total and complete and will never, ever cease. But the riches of God's mercy that he comes to a sinner who has got nothing to bring to God but his or her sin and offers forgiveness and pardon and peace if they will but call, to call, him, call upon him. And the shortest prayers in the Bible in this connection to the man who said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Is that difficult? God, be merciful to me, sinner. Oh, that's very deep. Well, it is deep, but it's not that deep, is it? Not that deep? Oh, I can't understand that. What, what did you not understand about that? God, well, God, you know a little bit about God, okay. And me, you know about you, me, right? God says you're a sinner. I don't know you understand that, but if that's what God says, it must be true. God, be merciful to me. Have mercy upon me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Have me. Accept me for Jesus' sake. That's the gospel, isn't it? Christ died for our sins. Christ suffered the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, that God might have mercy upon us. It is of his mercies that we are not consumed. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. We deserve his wrath. We don't deserve his kindness. Mercy and grace. Blessed be his name. We could talk about the sovereign mercy of God. Romans 9, I will have mercy upon whom I will be merciful. Various other wonderful references. Now, the word that is used in the context of Lamentations is new. They are new every morning. The mercy of God is new. It's fresh. It's refreshing. It's renewed. It's new every single morning when you awake. God's mercies to you and to me are new. Now, it's a funny little word, new. It's a funny little word in, in, in English, and certainly Bible times. Uh, sometimes it means, just means being renewed or refreshed. Sometimes the word new just means, well, it's, it's the same as yesterday, but yesterday is yesterday, and today is today. So it's new. It's a new morning. We've had mornings like this the day before and the day before. Uh, this is a new morning. And so the sense of which it's the same as, but it's new to us. New mercies and I thought about this and thought, do you remember the manna in the Old Testament? Right? 
mostly younger stories, so I don't need to go in depth. They're in the wilderness, they've got no food, they cry to God, and God gives them this manna, some strange substance. It's there every morning, um, six days a week, all right? Don't get anything on the Saturday, so on Friday that you double up, keep you for the Sabbath. So this manna was there every day. It was new every day, but in the sense it was the same. It was the same manna, day, yesterday, so on, so on. It's the same manna. And they ate it, and it, it, it sufficed. But they got fed up with it. Now, I can see, all right, I can see that. That having the same thing every day, you get fed up with it. You know, you've got this Sunday manna. Monday, manna, and what do you do with it? There's only so many things you can do with manna every day, isn't it? Uh, you have a bit of curry or have a bit of chips or something else, but it's the same thing every day. And they got fed up with it. And they complained to God. And some of the saddest words in Scripture relating to this are found in Psalm 106. And what happened was that they complained to God, and God said, okay, so he sent quails. You can read about it in Numbers. Um, uh, they sent quails to them. And then we have this terrible description. Let me read it to you. In, this is Psalm 106. All right? So God had blessed them, and then we t- were told, uh, then they believed his words, and then sang his praise. Then they soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel. They lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. So he gave them a request. All right, you want, you want, you want extra, you want meat, this meat, you want this great, all right, have it. Have it. And then we have this verse 15. And he gave them their request but sent leanness into their soul. How sad is that? They were so ungrateful. They knew the mercies of God, knew every morning. They knew them, but they were ungrateful. God forbid that we are ungrateful for the mercies we receive every single day. I wake up sometimes and I see it's a nice bright day. I say, thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you, my life to see it. Thank you, I've got reasonable health. I have food. I've got an appetite to eat the food. I can see to it. I can do it. Uh, I've got so many blessings. You know, I live in a house. You think, so So do I. That's good. I don't live in a tent. I don't live in a shack. I don't live where I've got two bits of, uh, of, of corrugated uh, sheet uh, to cover me from the, from the elements. If I put you for a week outside the house, you'd be very grateful for your house, whatever it's like, your food, everything else. We are people who are ungrateful. Don't we have this phrase, be thankful for small mercies. And we need to be more thankful. We need to be more grateful. I mean, let's be honest here. If we're not grateful for the small mercies, why should God give us 
bigger mercies. We're not grateful for the things, the normal, we call the normal means of grace. We're not grateful for that, for prayer, for Bible study, for fellowship. If you're not grateful to God for that, why should God give you anything more, anything bigger? We long for bigger things in Gordon Road. We long for God to move by his spirit. But if we're not so grateful for the normal little things, why should God give us extra? You're not going to have your pudding until you've finished your dinner. How many of us have said that? Or people make us say that. But I don't want this. Well, you, if you don't have it now, you'll have it for tea. If you don't have it for tea, you'll have it for supper. And then if you don't have it for supper, you'll have it for breakfast. Don't do that anymore. Child abuse. We need to be more grateful for the blessings that God gives us, the mercies we know day by day. say, he who is faithful in the least will be faithful to him will be trusted greater things. And then, finally, these mercies are new every morning. Every morning. I looked up morning and in the scriptures and there's some verses This is difficult for me to say, and it might be difficult for you to hear. But I'll talk about the honesty of Scripture. I read from Psalm 30. Right? This is what Psalm 30 says. For his anger endures but a moment. In his favor is life. <coughs> Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Isn't that a great verse? But, is it always true? No. Before you burn me for heresy, you explain what I mean. There are verses in the Bible which are always true because God said them. But they're not always applicable for every believer in every situation. You got that? I love Psalm 103. All right? And uh, you know it as well as I do. Bless the Lord of my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord of my soul and forget not all his benefits. Way praise the Lord, you know. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Hallelujah. And healeth all thy diseases. Ah. And when I read that, I get healed. Because I know folk were not healed from their diseases. Is that not what the psalm says? Heal all our diseases. Now God does sometimes heal. God sometimes delivers but not all the time in every situation. This is what we have against these health, wealth, and prosperity people who tell us that we must always be healthy and wealthy and fine and great. And we think, well, that's not true. It's not true to me and my little experience. It's not true to people in the Bible. It's not true in church history. 
Some of the choicest people of God have been through it horrendously. They've gone to bed with aches and pains. And they've got up in the morning and they've got the same aches and the same pains. And they may be worse. There's no joy for them in the morning. Now, ultimately, there will be joy in a heavenly morning, in a new day, in the glory. No more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. Hallelujah for that. But its future is not here and now, at the moment. We have to be careful that we don't say, oh, this is a verse there, I'm going to claim it by faith, apply it to me. It's a general verse. It has spiritual implications, which are obviously true for all the people of God. But a particular one may not be applicable for you or for me. That's hard work. It's hard. Oh, says someone, you'll get over it. How do you know I'll get over a particular affliction, a particular concern, a particular... How do you know I'll get over it? I don't know what you do. It's easy to say, and we can quote words and verses. Sometimes I think, you know, that's not true to reality. God promises his people he will be with them. And sometimes he's with them through the night. And sometimes into the morning. And it's no better still with them. He hasn't forsaken them. And he will not forsake them. And our, our great difficulty, my great difficulty is, is trusting him through the night and through the next day even if things are not improving. And you see the world out there is watching us. And the world says, yeah, yeah. You've got your phrases, you've got your hymns, you've got your little church. But how do you cope rubber meets, meets the wood, as they say. How do you cope? How is it? Thank God we have enough promises that we can apply to us. Another little verse from the psalm. In the morning it flourishes. Uh, Show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. God doesn't stop loving you when you're ill. God doesn't stop having been merciful to you when things are rough. You can depend absolutely. There's a man in the valleys, and he had a little phrase. He used to say to him, I die. How are you feeling? How are you? How are you? He said, I'm better than I feel. You think about that. I'm better than I feel. I feel rotten. But I'm in Christ. I'm sitting in the heavenly places in him. And ere long I'll be with him. I'm great. But I feel rubbish. Some of you know that. I know that. We can depend upon God's mercy because it will never fail. We can depend upon his loving kindness because it never will fail. Fail. We can depend upon his love because it never will fail. All other things will come and go. 
because God is God. You can trust him. Lord, I just don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand what you've done, but I'm going to trust you. And maybe one day you'll make it clear. That day may be, I have to wait for that eternal time. It's coming in the morning, my brothers, my sisters. It's coming in the morning. And what a glorious morning. The old faithful folk to sing much about the new heaven and the new earth and the glory of heaven and the new morning. They don't seem to sing it so much these days. Perhaps it's because we're, we're too preoccupied with this world, this life, and all that occupies us. We're too earthbound. In the last book of the Bible, and I'll finish with this, in the last book of the Bible, Lord Jesus Christ has described as many things. You know, you know them, Lamb of God, and particularly, yes, other expressions of the Spirit of God that he's described. And in the last chapter, this is what the Lord Jesus says. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. <coughs> I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. In the morning, we shall see Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We need to be know that your mercies are new every morning. That's why we would not consume. Because of your compassion, your love, and your it may be that there are some here this morning that have yet to experience your sovereign mercy. Oh, Lord, have mercy upon them. And bring them to a place where they say in simple faith, God, how be merciful to be a sinner. And bring them into the kingdom. Bring them into the kingdom to enjoy the mercies of God. And for the rest of us, Sometimes, Lord, we feel we're abandoned. Psalmist says, How long, O Lord? Well, I cry unto thee, How long? We feel abandoned. We feel we don't know, we don't care. Oh, Lord, reinforce biblical truth in our hearts, in our hearts, in our experience. The everlasting kindness of cannot, will not, ever end. Amen. Amen. Now, all the hymns have had a mercy theme to them. We may pick that up in this part of the service to close it. It's that hymn of Vernon Hyams. We're beginning to know a bit better, I think, here. 812. 812 uh, writes I saw a new vision of Jesus a view I had not seen here before beholding in glory <coughs> so wondrous his beauty I had to adore I stood on the shores of my weakness and gazed at the brink of such fear 
was then that I saw him in newness, regarding him, fair and answered to you. And the last verse says this. Oh, yonder a light shines eternal, which spreads through the valley of gloom. Lord Jesus, resplendent and regal, drives fear far away from the tomb. Our God is the end of the journey, his pleasant and glorious domain. For there are the children of mercy who praise him for Calvary's gain. 
I'm going to close this part in prayer and pray for the elements and hand over to Gary who will take us through the communion. So, Father, we thank you for your mercies which are new every morning. Blessed be your name. Thank you that you displayed so graciously, sovereignly, in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on behalf of his people. Thank you they worked out by the Holy Spirit who brings them to our hearts and lives so they become a reality for us and to us. Father, thank you for the body of the Lord Jesus Christ which was broken for us. Thank you for his precious blood which was shed for remission of sins for many. Thank you for Jesus as we now remember him. 